Hello, and welcome to The Delicious Truth with Gloria Cotton. I'm Gloria. During this podcast, we're going to cover a variety of topics that are impacting our everyday lives. We'll look at four things for each topic. One, the absolute empirical truth. That's all about the facts and data. Then we'll look at the personal experiential truth. And that's about how those facts and others do and don't show up in people's lives and their experience of them. Next, the consequential, impactful truth. The difference this makes in people's lives. And finally, you'll hear about resources and solutions you can use to empower yourself and others. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this first episode of The Delicious Truth with Gloria Cotton. My team and I have been working on this podcast for several months, and I'm really excited and proud of the work we've done and excited for you to hear all of the episodes. We're going to be discussing topics like mental health and how to keep it, managing and growing your finances, happiness, xenophobia, just to name a few. But given what's going on in our nation today, Some of the things that people are experiencing are not so delicious. On The Delicious Truth, we're going to be talking about empirical data, the truth of that. But we are going to be talking about the experiential truth as well. And so I couldn't ignore or glance over or step aside from or be afraid of talking about and addressing what's going on in our nation right now. Now, next week, we'll begin with some new episodes that we had recorded before. (laughs) Uh, Just to let you know, the episodes will be dropping every Wednesday. And the next one, next Wednesday, we're going to begin with mental health because I don't know about you, but one of the things I need help in knowing and being able to do is how to keep from losing my mind with all the insanity that's going on in our country right now. So let me jump into why this is the first episode. I'm getting a lot of calls from businesses and many friends, Black and a lot of white friends, because what's been going on is the murder and execution of Black people, mostly men, but Black people. And while this is nothing new, let me say that, it's not new that Black people have been killed on the regular in America. It's one of those dirty truths and secrets that hasn't been talked about. But now people are videotaping it. And even the videotaping has been going on for a while. And that was just pushed down as well. But now people are publishing those. And so some people are seeing this horror for the first time in their lives and and can no longer deny that this is going on. There have been many responses because you can't see that brutality as a human being and not respond to it in a way of alarm. It's a trauma. And I I encourage you all to to realize it's not just, you know, it's not like who's going into Starbucks. (laughs) It's not looking at the rising and falling of the stocks. It's not even looking at the number of deaths that this coronavirus has taken over the last three months. We realize that these things have happened. It's not a virus, it's a disease that's called the machine of racism. And it's been going on since the first European stepped off the boat. One of the last two episodes, actually, 
is post-traumatic slavery disorder. And I'll talk about a lot of details about the impact of slavery and racism in our nation. So I'm not going to go into that now. I really want to stay focused on why people are losing their minds. Some people are like, well, people are confined and they're sheltered and they can't get out and live their normal lives. They don't have freedom (laughs) because of the coronavirus and all that is true. But what people need to understand that freedom has been an elusive thing for black people, wherever you are. And it doesn't matter even if you're rich, there are still certain things that are denied to you. I'm remembering the comedian Chris Rock said one time, I'm rich and there's not a white person in the room who would trade places with me. People needed to have listened to that and some people didn't know what to make of that. So here we are today with the murder and execution, the latest one being Mr. George Floyd in Minnesota. And then the protests, peaceful and not, that have resulted after that came about. And looking at white supremacists who come to those peaceful riots and then stir them up and start throwing uh, weapons and creating hostility where the protesters didn't, just so they could point to, say, those people. And then we have a president who is weaponizing all of this and bringing in the military to kill you people, quote unquote. Racism is a real thing. I say it's the machine of institutionalized systemic racism. And it has trained us not to react, to pretend that everything has happened in the past and is not going on. It is an everyday thing that certainly I live with as a Black person. But you know what? Everybody lives with it. This impacts everyone. We really have to look at the disease of systemic, systemized, systematized racism and deconstruct it piece by piece. It is in every nuance, not just in the office of the president. I cannot say that President Trump is the reason for this. He's just fanned the flames and given people permission to do this. Why was this police officer who had his his knee on the neck of Mr. George Floyd so long, nine minutes, so that the man's life oozed from his body, as did the urine and calling mama. This man, for 18 years, the police department has known he has done something and it has always been minimized. He's got nothing more than a slap on the wrist. This is part of it. People are wondering, why didn't the other three police officers do anything? Because they've been trained to look the other way. We have been trained to look the other way. We can no longer do that. We can no longer look the other way. This disease is more harmful to us than any virus. We've had it longer. It's going to be harder to root out. I am a professional trainer. And we're looking at what training to people have. But I'm here to tell you that all the training that people have is not going to do anything if you don't change the system 
in which the people are living to be trained. The people who will change their behavior because of training probably don't have behavior to change. They've probably figured it out and are working it out with people on their own because that's in their heart. That's in their mind. That's in their spirit. They want to do better. They are not bought into being an intentional racist. Other people who are locked into and benefiting from it are the people who are keeping the systems in place. They want us to fight one another. They want us to not talk about it because they don't want us looking at the office of the president, system, the house, every level of government, both nationally, at the state level, city level, neighborhood level. They don't want us talking about it. They don't want to look at merchandising and how it is geared to different races in a negative way. They don't want to look at how things are presented to show a bad light on black people. They don't want to show that as much as they quote unquote hate us, they want to be us Mm. because they steal everything from us. The way we dance, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we acknowledge one another, high-fiving and all of that, the way we wear our hair, even to the beauty of our blackness, Because, you know, you run the risk of getting skin cancer laying out in that sun. So it is not that being black is something that's not admired. It is that the things about black people, people have been told to fear. Let me say that again. People have set it up. So the very thing that you admire about us is also the very thing that you fear about us. The very thing that makes us great, we have been taught, are the things that make us least, are things we shouldn't be proud of. They have taken it to the lowest common denominator while they are making money on it and telling us that we shouldn't. All of that is part of the disease of the machine of systemic, institutionalized racism. I am love. I am here on the planet. I say, God, you can say whatever you want. Sometimes I say source, the universe, higher being, whatever. But I believe and I know that God sent me here to be a beacon, a lighthouse that shows the way to love. I want people to fall in love with themselves the first time or again. (laughs) That's what I'm here. Everything that I do is about that. And still, when I saw the murder and execution of Mr. George Floyd, followed up by even more beatdowns and attacks and accosts and just call it whatever you want to call it. I don't want to minimize it. The horrors of brutality that are lobbied and lobbed against Black people. Even I did not want justice. I wanted vengeance. I wanted revenge. I wanted death of people who are killing us. I wanted them to die. And when I realized that that ugliness was bubbling up in me, my reaction to the threat and reality of survival being taken from my people, And knowing 
that every single day I'm in that same danger. And so are my children. And so is every other person that I know and don't know who happen to be, I call it this beautiful pecan brown, but whatever color you are, if you are black, people look at you as exotic, but they also want to hurt you. And I looked at that fact that I wanted vengeance. And I said, you know what, Gloria? You cannot allow what's going on outside, the choices of hatred that other people are making, the choices of limitation. You cannot allow your choice of love, your choice of limitlessness to be eroded. I will not give them power over me like that. Maybe I have been victimized, but I refuse to be a victim. So I had to think, okay, I see that's in there. I understand where it comes from. It is a natural reaction when you are in pain. You put your hand on a hot stove, you jerk your hand away, unless something's wrong and you don't have feelings. But most people, if your nerves are damaged, but most people jerk their hands away. It is natural to either want to fight or flee from, faint, and that is going to a zombie-like state. When you are faced with and in the midst of these kinds of horrors. So I'm not mad at myself, y'all, for having those thoughts of revenge and vengeance. I am not. But I cannot allow even my own thoughts to make me be part of the horror and brutality of racism. Now we have to come together and with love deconstruct the system of racism. And the only way we'll do it together is with love. The only way we'll do it together is with building trust. The only way we will do it is by facing our fears and airing them together and being allies to and for one another. That is the only way we'll be able to do it. Standing up for and standing up against together the sickness, the malignancy of racism. I invite you to join me in that journey. Different people are going to be involved in different ways. Some people can be out there protesting. You know what? I admire that strength. I don't have that. I'm going to tell you right now. When I was a teenager, people asked me, are you going to march with Dr. King? And I said, no, I believe in the platform of peace and nonviolence. But let me tell you, if somebody hit me, I'm going to hit them back. So it's best for me not to go and march with Dr. King. I would erode the effectiveness and somebody's counting on me to do something counter to what is required. So be honest with yourself. Where can you best serve? Is it in speaking for others? Is it in teaching others? Is it in working in our government? Is it in working in our schools? Is it in showing up in healthcare and looking for reform? But not only that, can you sign up to go and read a book to a child or some older person who has no one? I know we're on lockdown and we can't go physically to a lot of places, but you can do a whole bunch of stuff virtually. So the question is, what can you do to be part of the healing? 
Doing nothing, you're part of the disease. Doing nothing, you are helping it go into remission, but it never goes away. We have to actively come together to see it honestly and to root it out to its core, not band-aids on gangrene. Sick of that. Just do something that makes people feel good for the moment. See, that is only for the moment that it stops it. So what can we do to do those things? Because we need to feel good. What can we do to have our dances? What can we do to have our mass uh, programs with wonderful entertainers come? And the whole theme is about healing racism. But if you walk away from that major program, only with your heart having been accelerated because it was so good, then you will be part of the problem. You are helping it be in remission for the moment, not in healing for all time. We can't just jump right into healing. We have to cut it out. We have to dig it out. And then we can bring the bombs back in. We have to replace it with a system that works for everyone. Begin, please, with hearing, giving Black people voices, because our voice has been taken away from us for so long. Some of us think we have voices, and we do, but our voices are not heard. Some of us, our voices are heard, but it doesn't make a bit of difference what you say, because then things are not put into place. Nothing changes. And so eventually we learn not to say anything anymore. Watch your fatigue. What do you need to do to be re-energized and re-engaged? However you can best serve black people, white people, brown people, yellow people, red people. If we heal the disease of racism, and I'm talking about the delicious ugliness of putrosity of racism between black people and white people. If you heal that, then the other races will have the template and we will heal those discrimination against those races too. I encourage and invite you, have your reaction to listen to this, put your own recording on Facebook or something. <laughs> do, do whatever you need to do, but take action. Don't just sit there and stew in your own anger or say it to people who agree with you. We look for people who agree with us. We have to begin talking with people who don't agree with us. What is in it for them to end this? We have to help them see that. It's going to take a long time. This thing has been going on ever since the 1600s. It's not going to be healed overnight. It's not a quick fix, y'all. It's not. It's not one law. It's not one training. It's not one conversation. It's going to take a long time. It might not be healed in my lifetime. But the rest of the time I have on the planet, I'm going to spend loving you in a way that will protect you no matter who you are, no matter your age, your race. <laughs> your sexual identity, because I love you. But love ought to feel like love. And this is the best way we can do it, to create a system that sees, hears, acknowledges, and loves everyone. I thank you so much for listening, being with me. 
Let us know what you think about this. Please, uh, you know, be eager for our next podcast, which will drop next Wednesday. Again, focusing on Mr. James R. Nowlin is going to be talking about mental health. You don't want to miss that because I tell you, (laughs) I need that. My mind needs that. Then I encourage you, whatever belief system you have, I I know that that's the only reason I can be in love is because my belief system, for me, it's God. Whatever your belief system is, hold on to it. Get more intimate with it because that will keep you when you're crying in the middle of the night. That will keep you when you're afraid to speak to someone and say, I don't have a clue what I need to say to you that will help you overcome your fear and not be overcome by it. Then we need the systems, but we also need those mental things. We need those human things. Take care of yourself, beloved ones. Take care of yourselves, darling. If you will love yourselves as much as I love you, you'll be all right. (laughs) All right. I leave you with that. God bless you. Bye-bye.